had absolutely no warning of this stroke at all. And I forget the times because it's a bit of a haze now. I was, first of all, I was in the kitchen chatting to Kath and my right foot for a split second just didn't seem to function properly, but it was a split second. And I, I didn't realize the significance of it because it was okay after that. And I thought I was just tired and there was absolutely nothing else wrong. And it was just, again, about a minute's worth. So I thought I'll go upstairs and have a lie down. And this must have been, I think about half nine, 10 o'clock at night. Um, and I was lying on the bed and I had a sense that when I was trying to make myself comfy again, I thought, my God, I can't actually move properly here. So I tried to speak and it was really garbled, couldn't make much sense of what I was trying to say. So I thought I, I must get Cathy's attention. She was downstairs painting at the time and without sort of thinking what I was doing, I stood up and took a couple of steps along the uh, landing of the stairs and I just crashed down. One other thing in terms of the stress response, I was extremely emotional for the first two days. Anybody that come near me talking about what was going to happen, I was just bubbling away, trying, I, d I don't mean trying 24 seven, but you know, throughout the days, first couple of days, I was crying a fair bit. Hello, Mark Goodyear here. Welcome to Stroke Stories, the podcast that seeks out and hears from stroke survivors. Today we're going to hear from Alan Hardy, originally from Scotland, now living in Swansea. Alan suffered a stroke in 2022 when he was 56. I'm married to Kath. I've got a stepson, Anthony. Um, I work in the NHS as a genetic counsellor currently assessing cancer family history so we can let people know what sort of risk of cancer they are and what is available to them at the same time. My hobbies before the stroke were target archery, uh, wood carving, walking and cycling. So a lot of things that when I had the stroke, I thought, oh, I might not be able to do them again. And I've lived down in Wales now for 20 odd years. I'm mostly Welsh now, apart from the accent. I love it down here. I had a week leave and I'd got back to work and the first day back, it was quite a long day and I had absolutely no warning of this stroke at all. And I forget the times because it's a bit of a haze now. I was, first of all, I was in the kitchen chatting to Kath and my right foot for a split second just didn't seem to function properly, but it was a split second. And I, I didn't realise the significance of it because it was okay after that. And I actually joked and said, I think I've had a stroke. We both laughed and I just went through the living room for a sit down and I was tapping away on my uh, mobile phone, doing some work on my phone. And I kept making quite a few errors, hitting the wrong keys. 
So I had to go back, delete them all. And I thought I was just tired and there was absolutely nothing else wrong. And it was just, again, about a minute's worth. So I thought I'll go upstairs and have a lie down. And this must have been, I think, about half nine, ten o'clock at night. Um, and I was lying on the bed and I had a sense that when I was trying to make myself comfy again, I thought, my God, I can't actually move properly here. And I, I, I sensed that it was the right-hand side of my body. And I, I am a registered nurse as well as being a genetic counsellor. So I sort of was beginning to understand the significance of what had been going on. So I tried to speak and it was really garbled, couldn't make much sense of what I was trying to say. So I thought I, I must get Cathy's attention. She was downstairs painting at the time. And without sort of thinking what I was doing, I stood up and took a couple of steps along the uh, landing of the stairs and I just crashed down, big noise, and Cathy came up the stairs shouting, what, what's, what's happened, what's happened? And I think it was quite obvious to her that something serious had happened because I was just lying there. I wasn't speaking properly. I was, I was trying to say I've had a stroke. And Cathy straight away tried to ring for an ambulance and the person that was taking her call mentioned it was going to be about eight hours for an ambulance. And Cathy was aware as well that the quicker we get to hospital, the better the outcome, really. So she was slightly panicked a little bit. So she ran next door. I was left to my own. I think that's the only period I think I was truly scared, couldn't really move, just lying there thinking the worst, really. Um, she came back with a couple next door, young couple who were absolutely amazing on the night. And Laura, our neighbour, called up the ambulance stuff again and she used slightly different terminology. And within 15 minutes, we had two response cars and a, an ambulance. So there was, um, from an eight-hour wait, we had more than enough staff to yeah, make sure it was okay. And I was blue-lighted to Morriston Hospital in Swansea and straight into yeah, a research, research bay on my own with a, I think it would be a registrar, I'm not sure, and a couple of uh, nurses. And one thing they did recognise straight away was my, my blood pressure was absolutely sky high. From what I remember, it was 230 over 165. And they had to get that under control before they um, gave me the clot-busting medication. So that delayed that medication, but eventually they got that into me. Um, the other problem areas that I had for the stroke were the right-sided weakness. I couldn't move my right side at the time, and my speech was slow and slurred that first night. But I didn't have any other problems. One other thing in terms of the stress response, I was extremely emotional for the first two days 
anybody that come near me talking about what was going to happen, I was just bubbling away, trying. I, d- I don't mean trying 24-7, but, you know, throughout the days, first couple of days I was crying a fair bit until I sort of got to the bottom of what actually happened and what I needed to do next. So it was purely the, the right-sided weakness, a bit of speech problems. My blood pressure had to be under control. And they did find a clot, so it was an ischemic stroke. I was told at the time it was a mild stroke, but when I was not able to move my right side, it didn't feel very mild at the time. But having met so many other patients now, I can see why it was classified as mild. So I'm quite fortunate that there wasn't any other significant problems, thank God. Alan is happy with the progress he's made. I'm in a much more realistic place now. I've gone through a good few phases. I initially was kept in the stroke ward for a month. And during that time, many listeners would know you have sort of intensive rehabilitation on a stroke ward. Um, So physio exercises, OTs, checking whether I could shower, wash myself, help with dressing, all these sort of things. So at the time, I felt everything was just mega, mega slow. I couldn't really see much progress. So I didn't really get down because I knew it was early days. At the time, they were talking about discharge. I did have a bit of a panic about being discharged into the community because I didn't realise there was um, a specific stroke team. Cathy, my wife, works in the community physio OT team, which is separate from the, the stroke team. And I know they've got a bit of a, a waiting list to see people. And we both thought that's where I was going to end up. So I thought, no way am I going to wait that long to continue my rehab. But um, the team recognised the stress I'd got myself into and explained about an early discharge team. And they were fantastic. They sort of got me up and out walking outside, much more confident with the walking. I, I still walk with a stick, although it is one of my aims to walk without a stick. I do walk quite badly in the house without one, but only across the kitchen or the bathroom. So it's just short only with a fair bit of a limp. So it's not that great for my hips, really. So stick only. Since I was discharged from the early discharge team, I was then referred to a neurophysiotherapy team where I've seen one physio weekly, I've not been discharged yet, but I think it's probably going to be imminent over the next few weeks. And they've sort of escalated all the exercises. And this is the time when I've really seen a heck of a lot of progress, which is what I'd hoped to see. I know the early physios were often saying, you're doing well, you're seeing progress. But to me, progress was progress with functional things rather than 
some sort of muscle activation, which didn't really mean much to me at the time. So I've gone through that journey of, with the physios mainly, and I think I'm in the, the position now is I'm much more in control of the rehabilitation. Most of the things I do myself now, Kathy sometimes helps me, but the majority of the rehab is myself. So each day I go for a walk and I do walk about three quarters of a mile. Today I did a mile. It took an hour and a half, very slow. I never overtake anybody these days. I'm always the slowest in the pavement. Um, so, and then when I came home, I started doing hand and arm exercises. My, my hand itself isn't functioning very well, but what's noticeable over the last month is my wrist is beginning to rotate and lift a little bit. My arm, I can move left, right, up, down, not very far, but it's a massive difference to what it has been like. So I am hopeful um, in the next year or so I will get a better hand and arm function. I am right-handed, so, you know, that's, that's a bit of a pain. My right leg, I used to get a lot of clonus when I was walking, and that's gone now, which is, that was a real difficulty when I started my walking initially. But one of the areas that I want to make progress in is bending my right knee when I'm walking. I, I can bend my knee when I'm standing stationary, but my hamstrings are very weak. I can't lift my foreleg backwards just a couple of inches, if anything. So at the face of it, it doesn't look like much progress, but where I've come from, from those first few days, you know, I feel like a new person, really. I've got a long way to go. I'm very positive that things will improve, especially the walking. And I think realistically, my hand and arm, I think, it'll, I doubt if it'll be the same as it was before, but I hope it'll be as close as possible to what it used to be like. And in terms of those hobbies that I mentioned earlier, I have gone back to my archery club and I've first day there I shot five arrows with a very light child's bow at a child's distance and I got the string back halfway to my face the last time I went there a couple of weeks ago I shot the usual indoor distance of about 18 meters and I got the string much more closer to my face so I see that as a, a massive improvement and it's just getting out the house and socialising with people, which is so important after a stroke, because it can be quite isolating when you're stuck in the house, unable to drive. The wood carving, I've got past that by, I've bought myself a power chisel, so I can do some basic carving. And I don't know if it's a UK services, but we've got bikeability here which is a lot of adapted bicycles 
and I went down to the local bikeability place on Saturday morning and I, I spent about an hour on a, a sort of very low tricycle type of bike. I couldn't use the gears, but it was all flat anyway. I could steer it and apply the brakes. And I think my muscles were killing me Sunday, Monday, just back to normal today. But that was brilliant. I loved that. So although I can't do things the way I used to, I'm able to do things a little different. I have restarted the journey to get back to normal. Coming up, Alan talks about his plans for the future. If I can cope with my old job, they would look for something that I could do. So I think I'm in a very privileged position um, because work are looking out for me. Um, but as I said, I, it's, it's early days and there's a lot of stress in the NHS, as you can imagine. And I'd like to think I could still do my job, but I'm, I'm not so sure about handling all the stress we um, what I've been through at the minute. But I do hope to get back to work. That would be a meaningful step for me. And he talks about coming to terms with your stroke. I think you have to slowly come to terms with the fact that you've had a stroke. And every stroke is different. You've got a lot of inward thinking because when it happens to you, the thing you can think about is you. But when you look around at all the other stroke, um, survivors, everybody is very different. Let's hear how Alan views returning to work. With regards to work, I'm currently on sick leave and I've told work that the reason why I don't want to go back yet is I've got so much investment in rehabilitation that I'm, if I went back to work, it's um, a lot of office work, clinics are, because of COVID, we do a lot of video calls, phone appointments. So it's sedentary, really. And I didn't, I don't really want to go back to work, just sit still, doing a lot of assessments at, the, at my table. And I, th- I think that would send me backward, really. So work are really good. They've totally understood where I'm coming from. They're hoping to get me back at some stage. There'll probably be a need for some sort of adaptions at some point. And they they have said that if I can cope with my old job, they would look for something that I could do. So I think I'm in a very privileged position um, because work are looking out for me. Um, But as I said, I, it's it's early days and there's a lot of stress in the NHS, as you can imagine. And I'd like to think I could still do my job, but I'm, I'm not so sure about handling all the stress we um, what I've been through at the minute. But I do hope to get back to work. That would be a meaningful step for me. And finally, Alan has advice for stroke survivors and their loved ones. I think 
you have to slowly come to terms with the fact that you've had a stroke and every stroke is different. You've got a lot of inward thinking because when it happens to you, only thing you can think about is you. But when you look around at all the other stroke um, survivors, everybody is very different. And one of the things that I thought, I'm not going to ask the doctors, when is this going to get better? How long? I thought that was just a waste of time because nobody could honestly tell you. And I think the most important thing that I did was just to recognise that things were going to be different from now on and that it was a new start and I had to just focus on what I needed to do to have the best outcome after the stroke. And, you know, just look for little improvements. I think when I first had the stroke and physios wanted to have goals, I would say walking without a stick. So there were very big sort of things. And I think in hindsight now, it's little things like foot position, slowness, little things. So the smaller the goal, you get more achievements when little things go your way over time. So I think it's over time you want to look at achievements rather than on a day-to-day basis. And also, you're never really always up or always down. I think it's a, it's a constant journey. Some days you're up, some days you're down. Most of the times I've been quite up, enthusiastic. Some days I get fatigued, I, I get low, but I do try and just whatever I'm feeling like, I, has, I still have to do my rehab because that's important, even if I'm a wee bit down. So I think the majority of the time, I'm optimistic. I'm surrounded by so many caring family and friends, and they make a difference. And another thing that I actually set up, in hospital, I'd get lots of text messages saying, Alan, how are you doing? And I would send the same information to everybody to the point where I set up a WhatsApp group for a lot of my family and friends. And I still um, send messages every day. And I, th- I think that's been helpful. So old nursing friends I've known since my early days, the current colleagues and family. And I, th- and I think that is really helpful just to get a little bit of positive feedback and getting out from my walks every day, that has allowed me just to have some sort of sociability. And that's something that I don't really see as rehab, although it is. I just like getting out and I will stop and chat to people. The most important person around me is Cathy, my wife. Cathy's not just a wife, she's also a physio OT type assistant. So that comes good and bad, to be honest. She's motivated me 
done lots of exercises with me. So that means I've never had any respite, really. It's very different now, but in the early days, I just felt like every minute of the day had to be rehab-focused, which isn't a bad thing, to be honest. But, you know, she's got a lot of patience, very compassionate. So hats off to Cathy for the patience and the rehab input. So that's probably something that not a lot of fellow stroke survivors have had. The advice I think I'd give to family and friends, just listen. Don't try and second uh, guess what your um, loved one would want because it's hard sometimes describing the effects of a stroke, whether it's physical or psychological and sometimes just listening is just really helpful and I think that's the key. Thanks to a strict rehabilitation regime and a great deal of support from wife Kathy, Alan has made a very strong recovery from his stroke and continues to work through his right-sided weakness. Thanks very much for listening to Stroke Stories. Please rate and comment if you can so that we can spread the word. And if you can share the podcast with somebody you think it would help, that would be very much appreciated. And finally, as we always say, if you are a stroke survivor and there's a story you can share, get in touch. Our DMs are open on Twitter and Instagram. The Stroke Stories podcast was produced by Aidan Judd. I'm Mark Goodyear. Thank you for listening. Thank you.